From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast Hot Takes Edition after Florida State loses, yet again, 38-22 against NC State. And what is amazing about where Florida State is at this point in its program cycle is, I mean, would you have believed three years ago, four years ago, would you have believed that Florida State was blown out by NC State and no one was surprised? This game basically went as expected. And <laughs> it just that shows shows where Florida State is as a program right now and how big the climb is going to be for Mike Norvell and his staff moving forward. That said, there were there were some positives today. And before I move on, I want I want to go ahead and uh, thank my sponsors as always. And that is EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and Garage Makeovers, the number one garage remodeling company in South Florida. As always, all their information is in the show notes. And also, please sign the petition over at showthesafeties.com. I've been continuing to try to badger ESPN and ABC and all sorts of people to uh, improve on the angles, the sorts of angles that we got tonight. Funny thing is, actually, after I tweeted about it early in the game, I actually think that the uh, the angles changed. So I don't know if somebody made a phone call or if something happened. It still wasn't great, but it was better than it was in the first quarter or early in the first quarter. So who knows? Maybe maybe it's maybe I'm just imagining that. But uh, it did seem to get a little bit better. It's still just not that good. Please sign the petition there and also uh, take a look over at the Unconquered Podcast shop over at unconqueredpodcast.com and uh, buy a sticker to helps out the podcast. Oh, man. So I do think, like I said, that there were some positives in this game. Not a whole lot early. And you could see that they started this game very, very conservative, trying to do everything they could not to ask Chubba Purdy to win this game for them. And you can see how limited this offense is with the freshmen. They, I mean... Purdy has been in this offense six weeks and it was plainly obvious that the game is still moving a hundred miles an hour for him. I mean, he, he does, he, he has, and he has not adjusted to the faster speed at this level. He's still there. There are a number of times where you could see that he could feel the rush a little bit, but he doesn't yet understand that he can't just outrun guys at this level. And he, he's not as fast as he thinks he is. And that's one of those things that, I mean, I still see from Sam Howell at, at North Carolina, and he's not a runner, but there are times where he goes to take off and scramble or whatever, and you're like, man, you, you, just, you are not nearly as fast as you mentally think you are. And actually, as, as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm starting to, I can relate to this better than, than I ever could in that my body can't, just can't do the things that my mind still thinks it can do at times. You know, if I'm playing pickup basketball or something like that, which I haven't done in a long time, obviously anyway, because of the current conditions. But if I was going to go play pickup basketball, I mean, the last time I played pickup basketball, I went to elevate and do something that I normally could do. And, (laughs) and you know, everything, it's just normal. This is what I expect to be able to do. And my body just went, Nope. Well, it's kind of like that for a freshman when you get to the 
to this level, when you go from Arizona high school football to ACC football, and you realize it, it takes a while to realize like in Arizona high school football, you feel that backside pressure and you break, you, you break the, the pocket, you start running toward the sideline and you can then just outrun that guy and then just keep going. That's often just not going to work. More often than not, that's not going to work in the ACC, unless you're Lamar Jackson or somebody like that. In the ACC, that guy who's behind you, who's already at a little bit faster speed, when you go to take off from your stationary position in the pocket, he's going to be on your back real quick. Now, Jordan Travis, he, he's 0-60 to 60 faster than Purdy. He, he, can, he can do that a little bit more. But Purdy, Purdy, there were a few times where you could see like, oh, he's going to have to learn that you just can't do that at this level. And I actually think that in the second half, he made some adjustments there just in terms of how he ran and that, you know, he, he started to, he, he did get some opportunities to make some plays moving up the field and you could see some of the potential with his legs as NC state was covering a little bit more deep. Uh, they were running with receivers a little bit more and, and he got a chance to break, break the pocket up the field more vertical uh, as as, Carol, as as NC State got out of their, their rush lanes a little bit. And you could see some of the potential with his legs, for sure. Uh, he's, he's, not, uh, he's, he's not Jordan Travis as an athlete, no, no doubt. But he does move well, and you can see that he, he is at least going to give you some options being able to make some plays on the move. And, and most notably, the long throw, the 69-yard throw to uh, Ontario Wilson, showed that he can make that that throw on the run, can throw it accurately, that he can see up the field on the run, on the move, and that he can he can actually break break the pocket and make something happen there. That's a, that's a really promising thing from Chubba Purdy. There are also some things that, I mean, I, I would like to see, I, I, I think I want to see some improvement on and I, I, that are concerning to me at this stage. For me, one of the bellwethers that I measure quarterbacks by when I'm scouting quarterbacks, I want to see them throw the bubble screen. I want to see them throw wide receiver screens, that sort of thing, out of the shotgun especially. And I want to see the ball placement because really good quarterbacks are going to hit those those uh, those throws consistently in near-perfect ball placement. And actually, you know, bubbles are, are not the easiest throw. The bubbles are not are not easy throws at all because guys are running away from you and you have to put that that's a combination of a touch throw and you have to throw it firm. So you got to you got to be really precise with that and coming out of a uh, out, of, out of the gun, you often have to get rid of that really quickly so you don't have much time to get your grip. So you've got to be precise and get that ball out. And one of the things that concerns me is that Purdy, especially early in the game, he he was missing high and low and a little bit wide a couple times as well on some of the easy throws, those those little screens and things. And there were a couple of plays where they had a chance to get a first down and he just missed. In the strike zone misses, but you can't miss. Can't miss those. And that's concerning to me because those are those are, like I said, those are bellwether throws for me for quarterbacks that I I gives me a good sense of how accurate a guy is. When when there's nobody in his face. How accurate, how precise a thrower is this guy? And I mean, some of that may have been jitters early on. Some of that may have been just that those things can can be cleaned up a little bit. But I want to see something I'm going to keep an eye on in terms of accuracy. I want to see a little bit more precision in the passing game from Purdy. And uh, 
you know, that's, that's something that hopefully we'll see some growth on. Uh, Rotomaker basically is who he, he was earlier in the year. I think he's a guy that has a chance to develop, but not a guy that at this stage is, is really ready. I think he, at this stage is actually, he clearly understands the offense a little better than, than Purdy. He right now is probably a more accurate thrower than Purdy. Uh, but I think there are some other limitations in terms of arm strength, being able to push the ball down the field. And also just in terms of being able to do some things with his, his legs where Purdy was able to, I mean, he had 12 carries for 50, 54 yards in this game. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. 4.5 yards a carry. Rotomaker actually had 4.5 yards of carry after a really nifty 17-yard run as well, but uh, more of that was not one of those that still gave you a ton of confidence in terms of yeah that guy's that guy's an athlete, a dual threat kind of guy. Um, yeah, so I think again you saw the creativity in the offense to use all sorts of different things, all sorts of different formations and and put the running backs back there, the willingness to go for it on fourth down, a, a number of things that I think that, again, are the sorts of things that that bode well for the future. But when it all comes down to it, this game, this game was over early. I mean, it was, it was 21 to three at the half. And that felt like it was, you know, 49 to 49 to, to 10 at the half because of, I mean, when you look at the, at the numbers, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, second the, the the first half stats, Florida State had 98 total yards. And NC State's slot receiver had 97 yards. Florida State first half had 3.5 yards per play, NC State 5.7. Which actually, I mean, you think about it from the from the defensive perspective, the defense didn't look good in the first half, but 5.7 yards per play, you can live with that. That's okay. I mean, compared to how this defense has looked most of the year, and there were there were times where you were like, "Oh, some of these guys are actually showing more effort right now." And you know, I actually thought there were a few plays where Warner at the Fox position flashed a little bit. There were there were a couple times just like, "Oh wow, he, he's starting to figure it out, figure it out there a little bit." Uh, Brownlee, aside from the spectacular interception there, where you know, <laughs> how did he catch that? Aside from that, he he looked good at different points. I did see, by the way, on that uh, after that um, after that onside kick, that Asante Samuel ran to the sideline, really dragging that left left arm. Uh, looked like his left shoulder had a little stinger or something like that. That that didn't look good, but uh, and hopefully he's fully healthy. But just looking at the at the way that this game transpired, I mean, it was not close in the first half basically because Florida State couldn't threaten anything downfield and didn't try because they they I think they just didn't want their quarterback they they're, they're trying not to ruin these quarterbacks and I understand that but when you look at the second half I mean Florida State actually averaged 7.3 yards per play only gave up 5.6 second half 249 total yards actually won the second half 19 to 17 now NC State took their foot off the gas a little bit, but I mean, that's where the positives are. They actually they actually scored three touchdowns in the second half. Actually moved the football in the second half. 7.3 yards per play, had a couple big plays, which is why they had, they had those 7.3. Now still, only four yards of play in the third quarter. It was most of that 
most of that action was in the was in the fourth quarter, 10.5 yards per play in the fourth quarter. But that wasn't all against NC State scrubs. So there's your positive. They they actually showed showed a little bit of proof of concept that, you know, if you get a guy that's actually gonna hit some throws, and Purdy did seem to settle into a little bit of a rhythm there in the in the fourth quarter, four or five for two touchdowns in the uh in the fourth quarter. Well, you know, when you actually have have that, and one of those, by the way, spectacular catch. And I had just I had just texted after Thompson's drop in the first half, which you can't do. When you've got a freshman quarterback, you can't have those kinds of drops. I texted a friend of mine. Uh, actually, a for, another former uh, former player, I texted a friend of mine that man Thompson couldn't catch COVID at a, at a MAGA rally. Well, and then he goes and makes one of the best catches anybody will make all year against a six four corner. Just goes up and mosses him. Not a great throw, not a good, not an especially good route. But then somehow keeps a foot in bounds, goes up and and makes that. So yeah, I mean, a little bit fluky there, but overall. I mean, I, I think the 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 pluses are that you can build from this if you're if you're Norvell and the defensive and and the overall offensive staff and also the defensive staff because thir- fourth quarter they held they held NC State to three points, managed to uh, to force a turnover, managed to force two. Uh, uh, managed to force a, a three and out and then another stop as well. So, I mean, they actually were able to, to do what you want them to do in that, in that fourth quarter, 4.9 yards per, per play. Now, yes, they were trying to run the football, trying to run out the clock. And they did have that one five minute drive that ultimately put the game away, but you can build on some of the stuff that you did defensively in the second half. And then when you look at offensively, you can actually, you, there, there's some teaching tape here. Some of the mistakes that you made, some of the some of the the things that you did well, you can go back to and you could go, look, look, here we go. There's an actual teaching tape here. So there's the positive. But let's be honest, this is still a really bad football team. <laughs> I mean, Florida State is a bad football team. And Clemson is going to be able to name their score against this team. I mean, with it, especially if if they're playing the freshman quarterbacks and I can guarantee you they're going to want to play Jordan Travis against Clemson. They do not want to ruin these guys. You could see how carefully they handled these guys in this game. They do not want to ruin these freshman quarterbacks. They're going to want to play Jordan Travis against Clemson. And he makes this offense a lot better just partly because he processes so much more quickly at this stage of, of, of the game than, than the freshman. But they're going to want to play him against Clemson and hopefully he can stay healthy the rest of the year. But, you know, that, that's, that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how they, how they actually divvy up the reps over the course of the rest of the year. Because you could see, like I said, you could see Purdy start to get into a little bit of a rhythm later in the game as he started to adjust a little bit to the speed. But I do think after seeing what, what we saw from Purdy in this game, seeing what we saw from the offense in this game, if I'm Mike Norvell, I would be strongly lo- looking at the graduate transfer market at the quarterback position just to give these freshmen a little bit more time to develop and to get into the system and to make sure that I don't ruin these guys. And I, if I can get a, a guy that can that can really take over my offense and run it well next year, I want to bring that guy in. 
and let him let him run the show. Let the let the freshmen learn. Let Altmeyer come in and compete, and and move from there. Because I, I'm just based on what I saw today, I'm not sure that that either of the freshmen is really going to be ready next year. Now there's a long way to go. There's still a spring to go, and and hopefully you can get a, a grad tra- transfer that comes in for the spring. I mean that's the critical thing. But if you can get a grad transfer that's going to come in for the spring, that then is going to be able to serve as a stopgap for one year and be able to to run your offense, then I think these freshmen will be ready. Either one of these two guys or Altmeyer is going to be ready to play, and I think you can you can move on from there and and really be in a, in good position in that quarterback room. But I and I, you know I've been I've been told that they're that they're probably going to take a grad transfer quarterback. And after after seeing today, I would be uh, even if I if I'm one of the parents of one of these quarterbacks of one of the freshmen, I would be in favor of them taking a grad transfer quarterback that can get my my guy my my son a little bit more time to really get used to this offense, get used to the speed, and really be able to hit the ground running the next year. But. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know that there's another win on the schedule for Florida State. I think NC State was probably the worst team. Well, I, I guess Duke is the, the worst team left on the schedule. But, I mean, they're not much worse than NC State. Uh, I think I think NC State's better on the defensive line in terms of stopping the run. I think Duke rushes the passer better. NC State's better in the secondary. So, you know, and, and I think State's offense is better, but I, I don't think there's a guaranteed win. I, I don't think there's a, a, a game that I would favor Florida State in the rest of the year. It's just really interesting to see this program in the position that it's in. But I, like I said, I think there were some positives. I think uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see how much these, these guys develop, particularly the quarterbacks develop through the spring. And uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of things to go go back to this tape and, and teach from if you're if you're Mike Norvell on that staff. We'll go ahead and wrap it there. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop, which features stickers, magnets, and other Seminole gear. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. As well as Jonathan Kennedy and Tyler Kashishki. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this. <laughs>